You are now tuned into the tribe, where we share our passion in reviewing music and give you opinions we know you didn't ask for. I'm Marone, joined by my co-hosts, Dylan and Denzel. Please make sure to follow the tempo of our show today. everybody today i'm your host this is marone it's good to see y'all and i'm joined by two of my co-hosts plus a special guest so i'm going to introduce each person by name and then they can speak because every time we try to say you go the other person doesn't know who to go so first i'm going to introduce my guy dylan aka dj aka red man aka number one kendra lamar fan dylan say what's up to the people my heart is feeling whole right now. That's all I'm going to say. My heart is feeling whole. Amen. Man is a preacher. <laughs> all right. And then we got our uh, second co-host, Denzel, a.k.a. Festival Man, a.k.a. If you got a girl that needs to be put on her shoulders, on your shoulders to lift up in a, in a concert, that's your guy. Denzel, say what's up to people, man. Hey, man. It's good to be living life out here, man. That's all I'm going to say. All right. And uh, we have a special guest this episode. First time for season two. Uh, a good friend of mine from... Back, back, back in the day, maybe 20 years at this point, Colin Hudson, a.k.a. Uh, Dr. Cornell Midwest, a.k.a. Hey. <laughs> the original Mill Creek Cougar, a.k.a. Hey. Let them know what it is, man. Chirac veteran. What's good, bro? Ooh, I love that. What's good, everybody? Colin here. Happy to be part of the part of the tribe for for an evening at, at, at the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to be here, guys. I, I've, been, I've been listening to the pod lately, and I appreciate what you guys are putting down. Oh, man. Appreciate you for listening, bro. We appreciate that. So uh, Colin's going to be on here because we have um, an interesting subject today that I am definitely not an expert in. And I figured we'd get somebody who has some academic experience in and who is on this in the ground on the streets with it and has more of an authentic connection to it, I would say. So we're going to get into that later. But first, a little bit of a warm up, um, just kind of see what's going on with the culture lately. And the first thing that I came to my mind, I was like, what's some dumb stuff we can talk about while we warm ourselves up? Uh, Drake has taking upon himself to bully those he feels have wronged him on Instagram. <laughs> Just a quick summary. Basically, he had a comment on Instagram about something. A dude said, you're corny. You have ghostwriters. Your children are going to play with your ghostwriters. Mm. Drake responds with, your wife looks bored. I'm going to follow her on Instagram. He proceeds to follow her on Instagram and then DM her. I know you're, you're missing something in your life, boo. I got you. And then that all unfolds in like a span of like 20 minutes. So hide your IG wise is my, is my thing to say about that. <laughs> Do you guys feel like a, a multi-billionaire multi-millionaire has has the right to dm a woman like what that's married is that is that even like what what's happening here now why isn't he busy doesn't he have a child to raise yeah he got a child but i guess he felt threatened that someone was coming for his child so he had to respond in the most certified lover boy way possible and just <laughs> dm, DM reals, uh, yeah, the wife of the troll which is it is an, an eleven out of ten, and I don't usually like this stuff from Drake. <laughs> eleven yeah, out of ten. This is a this is top tier trolling for me. Top tier. It's great. I love it. He's not even like another celebrity. He's just a guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this dude needs to relax. Just he just needs to calm down, man. It's not that serious. Colin, I feel like by the time we graduated high school, Drake was just starting. Uh, so, facts. He was on DeGrassi and stuff beforehand. So February two thousand nine, he dropped uh, "So Far Gone" with Young Money. And that was the first track with Young Money. Um, I remember listening to that in my uh, vehicle at the time. And my friend walked up to me and it was like one of the like slow melodic songs or one of those parts of his, you know, 30 track song within one song. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what are you listening to? And, uh, you know, then, I, then I'm like, I'm 18, 17. So I'm like, oh, you know, oh, it's, it's hardcore hip hop. 
Um, but I was like, oh, it's Drake. It's his new like mixtape. It's pretty dope it's with Young Money. And guy was like, okay. And I was like, no, no, it's, it's good. Like it's layered. It's whatever, whatever. Couldn't explain it at the time. Had the language for it. Um, and then you know, you see what happens in the next you know decade or so. And yep. so yeah, that was when we were we hadn't even graduated yet, but we were about to. And we saw the trajectory from after after that, hearing him at college parties and so on and so forth. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. that was like his beginnings of his Young Money career, which really got him to you know where he is now. Could you imagine him being this petty? Into the age. Uh, I mean, honestly, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think I enjoyed him then, and then, like, I think you guys are like on this hip hop head level that I, I I aspire to, but knowing that, like, okay, he's gonna have to evolve and shift and oh, lean into different it. parts of his personality throughout mm. his career, as like all good artists do. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done that. And then as music has changed from you know twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, to now, uh, it's made artists adapt in certain ways uh, for, for 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 better or for worse. And I think he's done mm-hmm. that in a lot of ways. Again, for better or for worse. And like, like got the commercial success, was critical success, and also had missteps mm-hmm. along the way, like like anybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of missteps, there's some been some um, judicial missteps lately. Uh, Roe v. Wade <laughs> is getting flipped. <laughs> so, enjoy that segue. Um, all I have to say is that there's a guy I follow called the Funky Academic, where he just says black men know when to not be in the business of telling women what to do. And I just we find it interesting at, here at Temple Tribe. I believe we're all pro-choice here, probably. Um, that the president of abortions being taken away is kind of wild. We don't have to stay on this, but if anyone has anything specific they want to talk about, I don't think I don't think I, want, I don't think I want to dive into this one, man. Silence, that's, that's silence some... is gold. Dude. That's all I'm gonna say. This is not only another podcast episode, another no, like podcast series. In and I'm, I'm just saying, man. Like it's just like Marone said, man. Black man, we we, we don't have to, we have no business being in that shit, man. Like for real. Yep, just gotta you just gotta stand up for him. All right, stand then, up. Yeah, and then uh, it's a little bit. <laughs> let me not even make this joke. All right, so basically, oh, no. here's another thing. <laughs> There's this thing going on. The according to my girls TikTok called short, short king spring. Mm. Yeah, what is that? Mm. What is Wait, happening? what is that? Mm. Okay, so apparently women are hyping up men below the height of like five seven, five three, five six. I don't know, <laughs> around that height, and they're like, these are the men that we aspire. Like, this is who we want. You know how like dad bods is kind of like a fat. Yeah. I think it's like this is kind of like that. So mm. this is just like the hype of we can't tell if it's sarcastic or not. That's the scary part. It probably isn't. That's it, the thing. You said it so, isn't. I feel like it I is. <laughs> I feel so, like yeah. It. Call, Look, you asked. Okay, so, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> before before we go to call it, let me go on a, a mini rant. Mini rant. Yes, sir. Uh, you, a you short asked, rant. You, yeah, sure. You asked seven out of ten. <laughs> you asked seven out of ten women. What's what's one of the first things you look at in a guy? They're all gonna say height. Seven out of mm. ten women. I I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So this is definitely sarcasm, man. To right. You got like you're borderlining on that. Well, who's that? That that sexist, misogynistic dude who just died. Ah, Kevin Samuels. Kevin Samuels. Kevin Samuels. Area with that like that. I'm just gonna. Hey, gonna R.I.P. Though for real. Let's gracefully not respond nor condone <laughs> that last statement. I just bring that up because apparently there's dudes out here getting limb lengthening surgeries. Oh, so like to make them like make yeah, their shit. Yeah, that's longer. a real thing. That's a real thing, Dylan. Dang. Sorry, we're having too much fun. All right. All right. Speaking uh, of short kings, uh, I wanted to then pivot lastly to Kendrick Lamar. Um, so he had recently released, I guess, kind of like a prelude to his album, which is coming out this week, which I know we're all excited for. It's called The Heart Part Five. And it's a music mm-hmm. video where basically he's like face changes while he like raps from different perspectives. It's really like heartfelt and cool and like um, talking about the culture and things like that. Um, 
I will lay Dylan. Why don't you take the lead on this, and then uh, if anyone has some thoughts, quickly we can talk about it. But uh, Dylan, what, what, what are your Sounds thoughts? For on sure, this? for sure. Just real quick, I won't go on a, a fifty-minute rant like I told the guys <laughs> before we <laughs> started recording. But uh, I love how in the beginning of the song, Kendrick says, "Life is perspective," and that's what he's learned as he's gotten older, and that helps you, uh, or pretty much like primes your mind or prepares yourself for the visuals when you see OJ. Uh, very, uh, how do you say it, uh, prominent figure when he was planted and also controversial when he was involved in the murder charges. And there's Will Smith, the slap at the Oscars. There's uh, Kobe. There's, uh, uh, who else am I? Kanye. Kanye yes, Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Jesse Smollett. That one is hilarious. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I'm the King Tupac. And then there's <laughs> Nipsey Hustle at the end, which mm-hmm. is a uh, very uh, somber, and uh, it, it was just it was just greatness. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. It was greatness, but I don't want to go on for too long. Yeah, Denzel, what do you think? You know, I thought that when I heard that 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 song, it was like it was like Dylan said. It's it's about perspective, looking at different angles and different perspectives of different African American males, specifically. You know, mm-hmm. is that what we were seeing? What's crazy to me is that those deep fakes were apparently done by the South Park creators yeah. on that music mm-hmm. video. And that was oh. crazy to me. Yeah, the South Park creators helped help do the deep fakes. So the face changes and stuff like that. Um, the Nipsey Hustle line, that shit was heavy. Really heavy to listen to. And then seeing his face, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. And Colin, did you have any, any thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, I mean, lots of them. Um, but I think the perspective thing hit me. And how we juxtapose the idea of the perspective, what that means, and also like the culture. And by the end of it, you're like, what, like, what, what is the culture? And we know when we say kind of what we mean, like black culture, hip hop culture, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like so many different, different figures that he mentions, all like at least multimillionaires. Let's like put that Mm -hmm. class analysis on as well. But all these very prominent figures, black, black male figures who we know of, and also folks who have gone through different iterations and changes in their professional careers as well so mm-hmm. in, in that there's perspectives and stuff and how we think about them some more controversial than others um and by the end at least i'm thinking of like what is the idea of the culture and how it can be so many things um and i think it was a very i, I think it was a smart choice to choose oj first because we think yeah. of like uh, everything that oj has done slash been through and like how the culture always accepted him when the culture probably shouldn't have a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't mean just mean like the obviously a murder trial, but even before that and mm. what blackness is when it comes yeah. to OJ when and what it doesn't. His, yeah. yeah, and so I, and I think you can weave those themes through all those people in, different, in very different ways. I was seeing Jesse Smollett, Jesse Smollett I didn't really anticipate and I was being, being from Chicago the like Chicago I, I got I got a lot of feelings about, about him and that trajectory of his career and stuff and so I think mm. they were very in, intelligently chosen Um and they all touched on something that the other one didn't. And I was ending with Nipsey for being from Long Beach and being from um, California and, yep. and just the lineage there with, with music and tradition mm-hmm. there was smart. Yeah. The, the Nipsey one hit me the hardest. He's also, you know, a fellow Eritrean. Uh, but like, I just, it was really weird. Cause seeing dead people, like it reminded mm-hmm. me of the Tupac hologram. It was really like mm-hmm. eerie. I didn't know if I liked that. I felt kind of disrespectful, but then like looking at it again, seeing how his lyrics like tied into it and it's rapping from like when he, he shouted out his brother and he was like, I'm in heaven. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm like, all right. I mean, let's not, let's not put words in his mouth, but I, I, the sentiment <laughs> is felt. 
So I was like, I understand <laughs> why he did it. And West Coast rap does, is it is a that that hit that pantheon of guys that came up between like the early two thousands to the mid 2015, 20, 21, whatever. Like they are like a group of they're really tight pack. So like mm-hmm. he he did no nip, and I'm mm. sure his family, I'm sure people signed off on that. But mm. it is a little it's a little weird. In our culture, it's very weird to talk about the dead like that. So it's it, that was interesting, but I really yeah, I appreciate. Our culture, it. I'm you mean Eritrean culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Habesha culture. Yeah, okay. it was just like, we we have such a weird relationship with death. Like it just it just struck me as very very strange. Mm. But it was really good. I'm glad he actually came out with that, and I'm glad calling you on for this episode because I think we're gonna talk about Kendrick Lamar later, and you know you know who I have texted about that, and I want to hear what you guys' opinions on that uh, when it comes to the song "All Right" and its um, placement in uh, activism, which is kind of what this episode is about. So. Let's get to the shits. Um, but first, it's time to check the rhyme. Check the rhyme. <laughs> ah, oh. <laughs> this man fitting right in. All right, let's oh, go. Yeah, right, so right. uh, what, what are we talking about today? I want to talk about Amazon unionizing. I want to talk about Starbucks unionizing. Mm. I'm really interested in this uh, groundswell of like um, collective action that's been going on against these corporate interests. Um, mm. Colin, when we talked, I know you want to go deep. I know you don't want to be broad with this, so I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give kind of like some general stuff, and then we're going to hyper-focus on some other things later. But I just want you to know we will not be shallow, I promise you. Um, so first, I'm going to talk about what like when unions are. And basically, this episode is, are we going to eat the rich or not? And I'm going to ask you guys, what connects people together to get them to that collective activism, to get them to that action towards real fundamental change? Not just like cookie cutter, um, like talking points that, you know, national politics talk about we're talking about stuff that's on the ground that'll really get things moving so i want to talk about unions that's why i'm focusing on that so just quickly i'm going to describe you guys what a union is uh just a labor union or it's a trade union there's organized groups of people workers that unite to like make decisions that affects their uh conditions during work um and these were really big basically (coughs) up until the 50s and they were pretty exclusive to white people up until after world war ii and they the height was in the 50s 60s and then they started to be eroded by like national um money going into like uh economic what do you call it um interference from uh what do you call pol- politicians mm. and like large corporations basically literally stopping people from organizing that and doing any act- type of activism so um why am i talking about this today because the great resignation great resignation is basically what's been happening since the pandemic started uh where basically people are kind of fed up with their low pay lack of any type of like promotions and like just general disrespect in the workplace and mm-hmm. a lot of people can like kind of um relate to that especially nowadays as everything is online social you can kind of share your stories with each other and people can kind of come together like the r slash anti-work on reddit for example it's like a great place where people just put in their screenshots of that bullshit and um like different uh what do you call it um avenues and in, in in the economy has been unionizing right so from starbucks to activision blizzard and video games like all these different um spots of the economy are coming together so i'm focusing on the uh, amazon labor union um, because the, it was, to me, that seemed so hip hop. So for those who don't know, um, Chris Malls and a lot of other people organized a, a labor union in Staten Island, uh, and at an Amazon warehouse. And they're basically up against like Bezos himself, like just a whole bunch of bullshit was up against them. They, people were getting fired. People were getting restricted during their time. So like meet and stuff like that. And like, they, they did a real like grassroots effort. Like people were handing out weed and food in front of the Amazon warehouses and like really trying to get people engaged. And they eventually like won and they weaponized things like TikTok, and they had a lot of hyper local reporting from people in that area. Um, and basically they just came down to like Democrats, like in general, weren't helping nobody. But it was really just the, the local people that really got it to go on. So 
that's what where we're talking about this and to relate it to music um i want to say that um well first before i talk about music did you guys have any any thoughts on what's been going on with it like do you guys in your own lives have you had any experience with like labor unions or anything like that is that is that something that y'all are used to um no not necessarily i've heard of them but i've never actually been at least in my experience with my pre- previous work work history, I've never had to be a. It was never like something that was brought up in conversation or offered. And then one last thing to add, I guess, into that is our labor unions usually focusing more upon like they're so they're created by the workers themselves. If that's what I'm trying to understand here. Yeah, there's like the national labor like board uh, that like helps them organize and stuff like that. But yeah, usually you just you coalesce. And then you come together, you make your own. But it's Amazon was special. It was different because, like, I think that cor- that that specific company didn't have any like infrastructure for that, so mm-hmm. they had to come from scratch. Same thing with the uh, Activision. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. What do you call it? Colin? Do you have any experience with the in in uh, what do you call it, Chicago? Do they? I don't personally have experience in labor unions. I think after college, I freelanced a lot and then found Soapbox, my nonprofit. But yeah. um, just being involved in the movement space in Chicago, I'm friends with a lot of folks either in unions or. Um, have helped unionize different places or with like as having the past with SEIU, um, which is like a big national, maybe an alternational uh, labor organization, um, which has problems with they all do, right? Um, CTU in Chicago, Chicago Teachers Union is kind of the most infamous one outside of Chicago, especially. Um, so I, I'm familiar with, with with unions, with labor strikes, things like that nature. I've never been personally involved in them. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the we- reason like they went with Amazon w- was so huge is because you know, Amazon's one of the richest, most powerful corporations mm-hmm. in on, on the on the planet, <laughs> um, and their you know, CEO Jeff Bezos is a multi-billionaire. He has six, more money than God, um, <laughs> and even folks like him and, and Lesser uh, actively try to to bust unions, and so do many politicians and stuff. And so it was just so hard for on on so many levels to do that and it, it wasn't just like one at one warehouse but ho- hopefully we'll spread to more but just the the amount of of of, of vitriol and, and narrative bending and just barriers that they had to fight in order to get that is is really it's like almost insurmountable uh when you think about it and really like dig into like actually what they had to do so um yeah to, to Ronnie's point or to to Marone's point we definitely see <laughs> no, let's 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 i forgot to say this in the beginning so when i was growing up i had a nickname and Word. they used it through elementary school so colin my that's all i about, that's all i knew I, for it's, a long time. it's it's fair and i, I never, was like oh I, he, he threw his slave name he's going by marone now all right <laughs> all right i finally respected it i just slipped up no, sorry no you're good brother no you're good bro no, slave yeah, name. I, I go by that name and the only reason i don't use it is because it's a it's a what do you call it it's a bobby brown song So and it refers oh, to women. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not know that. That's yeah. probably like, good. That's a good reason. Yeah. So at least it's on the podcast now. <laughs> the podcast knows now. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's my, okay. that's my one weakness. But yeah. So back to this labor union. Um, Dylan, do you want to, do you want to speak on this before uh, before I switch it up? Uh, you can go ahead. I've me personally have not had any experience with labor unions. I mean, the closest thing is like a public health organization with uh, networking with other public health professionals around the country, but that's the closest thing. I, I wouldn't even consider that a union, I would say. 
Yeah, same. I'm an I'm an academic, no. so I really we don't get none of that in research. Oh, but you but you could. I mean, here's the thing. You see, uh, I, you know, I know you're you're a postdoc, right, Maron? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah. it's like, but still, like with um, graduate assistantships across the nation, you've seen them kind of fight for for union rights. You see mm. larger, even small nonprofits fight for union rights. So I think entities previously seen as like, oh, I'm a nonprofit. I don't have a union, or I, uh, you know, I work for this this school, this huge, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this huge school when deans yeah. and chancellors make how much money? I don't have a union. No, I'm a GA doing the bare minimum to kind of get by, teach my students. Yeah. Um, other entities other than like big corporations or S-corps or whatever mm-hmm. um, are, are making unions now. And I think that's because of the pandemic, because of the great resignation, because of people wanting to have uh, uh, rights and collective bargaining power within people they work yep. with. And so it's it's very interesting seeing even someone who's like familiar with unions has worked alongside them, but not really be in the trenches, seeing that change uh, uh, post lockdown at, at this stage in the pandemic, I, I would mm-hmm. say it's changing as far as who can unionize and who can and the who can oh. is like mm, everyone can uh, if, if they're not having their voices heard, not getting what they need to survive. Yeah. See, that's the thing. That's why I'm doing this episode because like up until a couple of years ago, I really, this never crossed my mind because in academics were so like um, isolated. And it wasn't until I, my last couple of years of grad school before I graduated that they were saying that we needed to organize only because they were taking away like our benefits and tax like exemptions or whatever as grad students to the point where we would have been taxed more than we were making. And that's the only time they started to organize. But by that point, I was graduating, so I didn't care. But mm. I should have. <laughs> like I should have. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care. I should have looked into it for sure. Villain. But the reason and, I didn't care. Yes, go ahead, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I just, my thing with that is, is always like, how much is the dean making? Like, tell me how much they're making. Mm. How much the champs are making? How much are these people making? They, uh, that's actually public information. Like, yeah, no, it is. You can like put it on yeah. signs. You can, you can use terrible. it to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in, this is, sounds like a tangent and it's not. But right now there's a war in Ukraine with Russia invaded a couple months ago, right? And yeah, so a lot of things are changing as far as the global economy, and that includes gas prices. Everyone's like, oh, gas prices are so high. Gas prices rose. No, <laughs> gas prices didn't rise. They marked them up more so they can still make their huge margin profits. Exactly. How much is the CEO of Exxon making? How much mm-hmm. is the CEOs of these other companies making? They're intentionally doing that so they don't so they make the same record profits they don't actually need to make. So it's, it's, it's a choice to make these things rise, and everyone's still being paid the same. They can sell millions of dollars a year. So they're making yep. choices that, 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 that they've been from and we are oppressed from financially. That was the same situation in Activision uh, with Bobby Kotick, who is probably a rapist, but most likely uh, attempted murderer. Uh, yeah, CEO that, of Activision. Yeah. He it's... he was making bonuses in the hundreds of like in the dozens of millions mm-hmm. while they laid off like eighty people or th- hundred dozens of people. Like it's crazy. Well, and he was so, also anyway. overworking them, right? Yes, he was overworked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that industry and Colin, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because that really helps me segue into basically Tupac saying that we're going to eventually eat the rich. So I feel like I really related to the unionization efforts more recently because it reminds me of how hip hop is all about um, excluding, excluding, ex, uh, exuding like really relatable messaging mm-hmm. of like even as hyper local as it is, is like this dude's like this. This is the story that's been on my block that well, I lived in my experiences, but. There was a commonality within that message. We're gonna, I'm being vague now, but we'll get more detail of like, this is a common struggle that you also face, even if you're in a different city, if you're in a different state or whatever, so on and so forth. And I always thought that Tupac, even though Kendrick is really getting, if you always see those corny tweets of like, there's the heart, the mind, and the soul of hip hop nowadays, it's the heart is Drake, the mind is Cole, and the soul is Kendrick Lamar. Okay. My God, that is an old ass tweet. Yeah. It's, I know, yeah, it's still in circulation. Yeah, but that's, that's wild. 
that's it's been stupid. But I truly, so I truly believe, yeah, I truly believe Tupac is was hip hop's like soul, and I think mm-hmm. the fact that he was raised by a literal Black Panther, like it just, it I think it's perfect. And then Dylan, mm-hmm. as you as you know, my favorite album is To Be Butterfly, right? And at the end of that, he's having an interview with mm-hmm. Tupac, and he's he's talking Oof. about. Right, yeah, and he's talking about like we're gonna keep we're gonna eat the rich, and then mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? the the vocal um, the uh, what do you call it? the podcast that uh, Colin you put me on to Coral Fixation the last you know the part of I think they had part where Tupac was doing that interview talking about we keep knocking on the door keep knocking on the door, and you know eventually we're not gonna stop knocking anymore, but mm-hmm. yeah, so musical history I want to it's not just about like protest music but like relatable messaging knitting and community together that's what I'm thinking like hip hop has a real power in. In, in uh exciting change so yeah so shout out to definitely uh, uh coral fixation this is a really good podcast this is the episode for protest singing part three this is black Lives black lives matter uh not to be confused with the organization which is corrupt um going all the way back to it is you know it is yeah, it is <laughs> still in millions it is. so we want to go all the way back to negro spiritual so i want to give you like a, a quick like you know history of so like negro spirituals um that really took Christianity that was forced upon slaves and then they themselves turned it into like this kind of coded language that they could <clears> use <throat> to speak to one another, communicate and uh, kind of fight against their own oppression. And then that morphed over into church hymns. This is where I'm a little fuzzy, call it maybe or anyone else who has more historical like knowledge on this Negro spirituals. Then we have more church hymns and stuff like that, which people from different areas might be able like, when you say God is good, people respond with. Okay. Good all the time. Is that what it is? Good. God is good all, all the, the time. time. God is yeah. good all the time. Yeah, all, all the time. time. And, and, and then Got all it. the okay. time, God is good. Oh, is that it? I fucked yeah. up. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <straight>. Thank you. <laughs> I've been a black church in a while, or a church in general in a while, so mm. I'll put on that. Yeah. I give, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm always mad. <laughs> so, but I bring up churches and stuff like that. Dylan always tells me to go to. I go to church. Uh, I, I go to these like church hymns and things like that because I believe this would tie a lot of the civil rights movement together. When people have hymns and things like to march with and go on and so forth. So, like, I want to get your guys' perspective on the old way. Because before I go into what I think are new Negro spirituals, and I'll give you some examples that I think are hilarious. <laughs> what did you guys think of what, 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 how, how people communicated back then? Like, do you guys agree with what I'm saying? Like, am I just talking crazy? You're definitely talking crazy. That no, one, <laughs> no one's following. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay. One thing, especially listen to the choral fix- fixation uh, episode that we're referencing. Uh, the co-hosts were always talking about the We Shall Overcome uh, song and how they were talking about how it's, how do you say, kind of like, oh, we shall overcome someday. It's like, oh, we'll just keep waiting and waiting and waiting where, you know, we'll we'll get into the Negro spirituals of today uh, and what they portray and what they're uh, trying to get at. But it's it's more so about just like enduring and just hoping for a better a better day mm. yeah hope so hoping and waiting but still but still they were using it during active movements like colin did you feel like the did you feel like the lyrics mattered during that time or was it just about getting people into to a rhythm oh absolutely i think they always have mattered i think when we go back to negro spirituals to your point for back in the day when when folks were enslaved and they you know, follow the drinking gourd. Those lyrics really matter because you're literally told them how to get north. <laughs> but it didn't yeah. sound like that. It was kind of coded and it was fun. You could kind of sing along and Massa didn't know what, what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, we should overcome t- to the point of the podcast too. It's like, yeah, someday, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. And if you look at all kind of components of movement, which thing are everything, it's like, who's at the front 
you know, be cishet dudes for the most part, right? Um, what are they wearing? You know, stuff you'd wear to church, suit and tie, you know, it's, it's respectable, um, yeah. all these other things. And then we kind of fast forward to the day, which I think we'll get to, and that, that stuff changes. Um, one thing I always think about, not to get too far away from the point, is like, you know, my parents' generation and things they've told me as I was kind of coming up as far as like, has survived in white supremacist structured society, but also like be my full self um, mm-hmm. and things they told me that now I like, I don't, I disagree with, or I think, you know, I should push the envelope because when they were coming up, they kind of had, they, they had to mm-hmm. uh, acquiesce a little more just to survive. Right. Whereas exactly. now yeah. because of them, because of our forefathers, I don't have to do that as much. So mm-hmm. from, in my perspective, it's like, it's disrespectful to do what y'all did. Cause you, you, you got this right for me. So why am I going to, Exactly. Not wear drag yeah. in public because right. they don't like it. I don't give a fuck because yeah. you didn't. I and you probably couldn't for some reasons. For sure, you were in sort of corporate America, whatever. And I appreciate that yeah. and I honor that. But like, I don't have to do that anymore. And so I'm gonna take it a step above, and I'm gonna be my full self because I'm mm-hmm. allowed to be more so. And not that I shouldn't, you know, be careful in certain situations. But right, right, know, right. I, I have more breath. I have more breath than we can than y'all had. And we can learn from that too, and we should. And so I think looking at it's movements right. and just a black experience as generations. Um, continue we have to learn from their mistakes learn from them learn from things they did right and then use the i don't want to say um i don't say luxuries by any means but use some of the leeway that we now have in order to push that agenda forward and not mm-hmm. ask for these things as tupac said in that in that clip about not going to try and get food no we're demanding now we won't really take no for an answer or won't take you know certain things that the state may give us as yep, as yep. as answers because we know the state is inherently white supremacist and it's inherently patriarchal it's inherently anti-queer it's inherently classes inherently et cetera et cetera et cetera yeah, yeah. so why would we take that as as um anything uh sort of liberation and we won't yeah it was inherently patriarchal too man like i was i was thinking about before i go into our fun modern day negro spiritual i was thinking of um if you guys remember when jay cole and no name were going back and forth a little spat. Yes, Which, by the way, Colin, do you know No Name? Like, do you know her personally? What's up, bro? Like, can you I don't know her personally. I wish I did. I know folks who are like, who know her? So I'm, I feel like I'm twice removed type oh, shit. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I don't listen to her as much as I, I, I should. But from, from what I know of her, from what I've heard from her, from what I've seen from her out in the world, um, she's super dope. And it's funny because we had a podcast we were releasing around the same time that was happening. Yeah. And uh, one of my colleagues chose a J. Cole song like for like outro. And I was like, hey, y'all, can we just not do it this time? <laughs> we can use it next time. Because right now, and we're, and we're, you know, two dudes with the podcast, two cishet dudes with the podcast. I'm like, can we just like, this time, let's just not. Let's just not. not and they, my, my colleague's like, oh, well, I, well, you know, he's like, he was kind of more on J. Cole's side. I'm like, honestly, I don't care. It's about optics. Let's not use it. <laughs> I disagree with you, but it's not what it's about. This is, we shouldn't use it right now. <laughs> all fair, all fair. Yeah, all sheesh, politicking, bro. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I bring up her thing because she does talk about defending trans women, and she mm-hmm. talks about missing black girls. Like, it's I think I think we take advantage. We are even black men. We are in a position of privilege compared to others in this struggle historically. So like, it is important to like always have those different perspectives. And because like when I go back and I look at all these like protests like type songs, I'm thinking of Public Enemy, N.W.A., Dead mm-hmm. Prez, and all them. But um, and then even when I'm diving into the modern Negro spirituals, Ooh, I'm going to give each wait. one of you a guess about any on this list that I found. This was from uh, I'm not going to read the name of the website. It's so trash. Leaky. So, uh, Dylan, you get the first guess. One guess. Just name one. All right. Nope. No, <laughs> really? OK. Interesting. Denzel, you get one. Dang. Modern day Negro spirituals. Think about what that means. 
Dior by Pop Smoke. That's actually really close. No. Damn. But I'll give it to you honorarily. Uh, <laughs> Colin, you got one? I feel like I want more context. I want to ask any questions. Um, Modern day Negro spiritual. Something that really gets the people. It's a common thing that gets everyone together. You know? Really moves it. Wait. It's not all right? Can I get another just- guess? <laughs> Yeah, don't, 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 no, no, no. Colin, you go ahead. You go oh, ahead. Oh, knock if you buck. Knock if you buck. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Fucking go. I told you I'd do this. Oh, so then it's probably. <laughs> fucking do this. So probably Swag Service on there. Right? Yeah, like, Denzel, that's enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the list goes Chief Key Finito. Oh, oh, I was going to say Finito. I was, I was going to do, do don't like next. Yeah, Fly, Swag Surfing, Cry Mob, Knock if you buck. Black Youngster Booty. <laughs> I didn't know if you meant like. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Migos walk like a top. Yeah, walk like a top. You get the and then Meek Mill dreams and nightmares. Oh, oh dreams yeah, and nightmares. Yeah, 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 for yeah, sure, for sure. For I don't sure. know why that was my first thing. Well, it's funny because I didn't know if you meant like kind of like activisty songs or yeah, not. and yeah. like obviously there's overlap there, but there is. Yeah, I mean, dreams and nightmares is 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 my shit. I mean, That's apparently, so... yeah, back that ass up is really something against the culture. For sure. Yeah, yeah that's you. That gets everybody moving. There'll be like white grandmas at a wedding who would just start. Doing something. That's true. That's true. I mean, Missouri weddings get wild, huh? All right, man. But yeah, and then more modern, more modern songs, bro. Like, uh, what do you call it? Lil Wayne's Georgia Bush? Colin, do you agree with that? Do you feel like that's a song that's really politically <laughs> motivated? I asked you that do because I, I know you've told me to listen to songs. Do, do I believe Georgia Bush by Lil Wayne is politically motivated? Uh, yeah. I mean, in short, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, especially at the time, because that came out, short, I mean, shortly after. Katrina, right? And so it's yes, like yes, this yes. man who's from um who's from the area where this whole whole is coming through and how the state has no response to to what's happening. Um and the state who's which, which that would be the case regardless who's president, but also mm-hmm. it's his racist from Texas, um, who barely won the election. And so I think in in the thought of like conscious rappers and who's allowed to make political political statements and not, I think with where I stand, like everyone's always making a political statement all the time. Obviously, some are more mm, obvious than others. Some are more intentional than others, for sure. But it was nice to see someone who, like, seriously doesn't make quote unquote conscious rap or whatever, kind of speak on something, and it'd be like a good song, and then kind of talk some shit, um, and it'd, like sound good, and at the end have this dope ass freestyle. Um, when he's still kind of not finding his own, but like before he said this nexus in his career, as I know you guys have talked about. Um, so I really love Georgia Bush, and I think. It's it's like all songs are political, but that song was like intentionally political, but also something you could kind of bop to at the same mm. time. I remember tenth grade social studies. This man wrote on the chalkboard, "Real G's moving silence like lasagna." <laughs> and I knew that was your hand. Bars, son. <laughs> Bars. Should get you expelled. All right, and then uh, what do you call? It? Lastly, all right. Oh, actually, yeah. Let me just go to all right. Let's just uh, let's just have this conversation now. Do y'all feel like all right by Kendrick Lamar, K Dot, Kung Fu Kenny? Was that the protest song of 2020? Was that the song that lyrically, musically was what that moment in time was required that you can play and really gets people motivated? Dylan, I start with you. Okay. When was this album released? 2015, 2015. Right? Yes. 2015. Okay. Uh, when was Trayvon Martin murdered? Was it like 20, 2016? Shortly after, right? Yeah. Trayvon's no. 2012. It was really or was it earlier than that? He was murdered in like 2012. 2012. Like okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would say the Black Lives Matter movement didn't really kickstart into like full gear until like George Floyd. 
And yeah. that's when All Right really started taking off as like the, um, how do you say it? Like the protest song. I, I would say like at the moment when it was created, it wasn't a protest song. It can be, uh, I, I guess it can be, uh, how do you say it? I, it can be a protest song, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a gray area to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so do you agree with that? Yeah, I got to agree because I don't think when he made that song, there was the, the intention of it being the activist song. It, I think it just picked up the pace of being the activist song because especially when you were seeing a lot of Black Lives Matter protests around that time, um, you could remember you would hear the people chant, we go be all right, you know, we go be all right, and then just start picking up the pace. Um, and the, I think there was even interviews showing that like Dave Free, Kendrick Lamar were just so surprised to hear that the song was kicked collecting so much buzz and it was connecting with the generation in such a way especially during the black lives matter movement and it was like sort of like an honor to feel as though that song could be a representation of the black lives matter movement mm. was it a representation colin so so i so i disagree okay that's cool <laughs> I'm on uh, side that. that's cool think, no, that's all good yeah so drayvon was killed in 2012 and the trial i want to mm-hmm. say it was a year later i'm not sure Something like that, um, yeah. and that's like when uh i forgot the women's names they kind of started BLM mm-hmm. as a as an entity, right? Um, and so, I wouldn't say the BLM, the broader movement for Black Lives, I would say more so the organization itself, didn't really kickstart, really get going until until Ferguson and Mike Brown was killed, right? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. In twenty fourteen, yeah. August. And so after that, you see an uprising in Ferguson. You see the same kind of media narratives that are played out time and time again when when Black folks are killed by the state. Um, and you, you do see a shift and a little bit of a change in how it was reported um, uh, from from prior you know state executions. But I think that's when that movement really kind of uh, caught caught fire in a, in a certain way. Gotcha. And I think okay. um, my friend Charles Preston, shout out, he wrote an article called "Trump is Here." Well, mainstream hip hop or mainstream rap punch Nazis, and he's kind of talking about mm-hmm. the Kendrick's of the world, the yeah. uh, J Cole's of the world, and other 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 music and stuff. And it's like, look, like with all right with some of J Cole's music, it, it speaks on these issues, it speaks on mm-hmm. uh, kind of black trauma in different ways, but also. Yeah. Um, and with all right, it's like, hey, like we're gonna be good, which which we, which we need, which we, you know, we I think you need that when there's mm-hmm. the, the world has really been to, to to kill you and put violence against you and your people. But it's like, where's the fucking like, where's the dreams and nightmares? That's like, fuck the state. Like, where's the mm. coalesce of that kind of music oh, that's there all okay. the time that we that we can do more easily now that we mm-hmm. couldn't do in Billy Holiday's day, but NWA showed us something different that we could do that right. So like, where is that kind of music? Where's like the the Fred Hampton esque? hip-hop type of thing he kind of uh, posed these questions okay, okay. uh but i think you know I, I think about chicago in march of 2016 before trump was even elected yeah. and he came to chicago presumably and didn't come and speak because all the folks from naperville and shit coming in to see him were there and then people came and were like trump's not going to speak in chicago and he didn't come and talk he, he, he left right he canceled it and then folks saying and we gonna be all right we gonna be all right so i think as folks who critique and listen to music all the time and really make any kind of art, you know that you can intend a certain thing for your art to be mm-hmm. and think on how it's received. It may not have that connotation from there on out. So mm-hmm. I do think it's like one of protest, one of you know the many kind of protest songs uh, for a lot of good reasons, but also it's like, it almost, it almost doesn't matter what he intended because what did it turn out to be in a way? Yeah. yeah okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it matters, you know, but it's like, it, you know, people receive and use it in a certain way and, and flipped it in a certain mm-hmm. way, which I think is important to note. And so I think it's definitely one of those in the conversation. Um, but when you fast forward even four years, 2020, it is 
what's changed with music and pop culture and social media and how we take little things and remix everything into something. Yeah, I was going to give yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, like those are the songs I think of. Then everything's really hyper local, at least from like, mm-hmm. from my standpoint. Okay. So I can only think about Chicago, but what was played in DC, what was played in Philadelphia? Like, I'm sure probably Dreams and Nightmares probably played her in BLM protests. Oh, for sure. In 2020 in Philadelphia, more so for than sure. I heard in Chicago. And for All reasons right. I can understand, right? And I can turn <clears> up to. So would you say, just a quick question to uh, to you, Colin, would you say a lot of protests or music played at protests is kind of like an unintended like consequence, like this song? Would, so for example, like This Is America by Gambino, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it, it, it was more so kind of like uh, an expose on like the black plight or like social injustice, but wasn't really necessarily intended as like a protest song, but you do hear it played at protest songs. So are there a lot of those like examples of like unintended like consequences of songs where mm. they were created just for one purpose, but they ended they ended up getting played a lot of protests? Yeah, I think so a lot. I mean, I think like the main songs I can think of, thinking back to 2020 specifically, like they weren't intended to be like quote unquote protest mm. songs. Um Fuck the Police, the WA, uh Finito, Chief Keith. Mm. Um even Fight even power. even Killa by Young Pappy, rest in peace, uh, from from Chicago, drill rapping from, from Chicago. It's like I heard that a lot of protests and stuff. Um, and part of protest too, I think what I've heard from other from other old heads stuff about like organizing and things. It's like, yeah, we want to you know turn up to music or have chants that are in line with what we're here there for. But also, this is for us, mm-hmm. and we want to just have fun and make it be like a party or some in some capacity. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. what can we turn up to? Especially looking at again, me thinking about Chicago. And younger folks in Chicago listening to, you know, like some like trap songs I've never heard of. I'm like, this 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 song bangs. I don't know what they're saying, but I like it. They're just turning up to it. And we're like yeah. twerking, they're twerking in front of the, the, the Chicago police department station. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, we're having yeah. fun at this. Uh so then that's like that's it's part of it's just our joy in the first place. And of course, like song like Fuck the Police is kind of very obvious in its political message, but they were just kind of mad about what was happening at the time. And we think of explicitly political song nwa made mm-hmm. there's not too many of those um but i would argue that all the songs are inherently political with their yeah. with the reality and the systems that they were enduring at the time especially on the right. reagan being the governor in the 80s and or i'm sorry president, president in the 70s yeah. being governor and making these policies that made california uh what it was during the time so yeah um yeah. i think it's a lot of like what's intentionally political what's not but then how it's used and played out and manifest and re-engineered in in literally in the streets and also in movement spaces. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Speaking speaking of what's like what's intended was not like the repurposed club bangers, right? So Luda, move bitch, get out the way. I think that's like one of the, <laughs> yes. it's the best use of that song. Like, um, but yeah, but the, um, Colin, I want you, I want you, I want you to dive a little bit into the Chicago and the drill scene and stuff like that. So the main Chicago nigga. Chicago nigga. Like uh, you know, just you know, uh, briefly kinda like you you've you actually published this. So you've talked about the the rise of drill and the rise of political activism in Chicago. You've been to Chicago since what since we graduated. So maybe what pretty much. It's been about twelve yeah. years, twelve and a half 12, years. Yeah, since we were kids. So why don't you go ahead, man, just speak on what what is happening? How are are you telling me that Chief Keefe is like the modern day uh, Angela Davis, like what's going on? <laughs> so it's funny. So I'll give like just back, just a, a context first. So um, in undergrad, actually, my senior like honors project was called What's Beef, and so I talked about 
Fuck the Police and NWA and kind of the formation of gangster rap out of uh, intentional social inequities from neoliberalism after World War II on kind of how that subgenre kind of came came to be. And so several years later, I was like, fuck, I'm just going to do that again for this master sociology degree. And so I discussed drill rap kind of from Pac-Man, King Louie, especially Chief Keef on from the 2010s, you know, on to 2017 when I graduated. I looked at that uh, in comparison and in contrast to the kind of modern modern movement for Black Lives from like kind of Trayvon Martin on and stuff. And not not as much as looking at them as like Chief Keef being like an activist, so to speak, but like how are these two social and political formations talking about um, or, or, or codifying uh, social inequity in really explicit ways or more coded ways, but still addressing the same kind of thing. Um, so to do that, you know, I, I, I was kind of late to drill, to be honest, um, and then kind of dove in at the, at the time. Uh, and it's it's fascinating now. There's something like waves of it internationally, even domestically and stuff, but was getting more entrenched in Chicago grassroots movement spaces and stuff and seeing these the similarities between how folks would use social media, especially Twitter at the time for, for you know, for... Um, uh, Chief Keef and drill, drill rappers and there's folks in that community who maybe didn't make music but were still involved in the streets and how they'd use mm-hmm. it to to beef and for for really like really real things happening as consequences and violence happening uh, through some tel- telecommunications but also activists using it using Twitter to like mobilize folks we mentioned mm-hmm. Mike Brown earlier you know we didn't see Mike Brown get killed like we did with Eric Gardner or George Floyd but people were reporting on on Twitter when it was happening Right. Mm-hmm. The citizen, the, 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 the pros of citizen journalism, when it's done right and, and authentically yeah. and accurately, uh, helped us kind of know what was happening on the ground. Um, and Wait, then so how do you really to drill then? Sorry. So how, how like that's so the, like, yeah. So you're talking about citizen activism and uh, photojournalism, but how, sorry, how, how's the relation to like drill and their use of social media? I think I'm missing. Yeah. So this is like kind of either pre or pre Instagram or before it was kind of popular. And so folks were just, folks would have a profile on, on, on Twitter and yeah. folks would, even if it wasn't related to music, parts of street aspect, folks would be beefing on 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 the internet. Yeah. Um, and with this idea of authenticity, which has always been a thing with hip hop, one of the reasons that drill, or really gangster rap in general, but drill was seen as like, you know, so real and so gritty in ways that was mm-hmm. kind of yeah. shitty and like, you know, uh, uh, voyeuristic, but also kind of true, was that like they're talking about this shit, then they're like either doing th- this shit. Um, and not to place blame, but like this is actually this is really happening in these communities. Instrumental violence is is real. Um, yeah. But I, in my view, we don't solve that. We're looking at individuals, look at, at systems, right? And how that comes gotcha. to be. Um, and so I think that's kind of how social media has kind of played out in this way. Um, again, with visuals, we're using social media in ways we never have before in the 2010s, as far as seeing protests, as far as seeing, you know, honestly, black trauma, but people being galvanized for that, black folks and, mm-hmm. and, and other folks too. And then with drill raps, part of the things that was so popular was that just the videos themselves. And again, some voyeuristic kind of shitty parts of this, but like the, the grittiness, the, the the realism, whatever. And it's like with Chief Keith, um, I don't like that was filmed at his grandma's crib when he was on like pro, like probation or he had an ankle, ankle bracelet on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that to this day probably has like tons and tons and tons, tons of views. And that was because mm-hmm. of YouTube and stuff and the social ecology of him being in high school at the time or shortly after, shortly before, rather, and then him to circulate around his friends and things. There were folks before him, i.e. King Louis, i.e. Pac-Man. They didn't blow up like he did. He did for a certain reason. Um, and so let me just, just look at just what what systems abolitionists were talking about with the broader BLM movement. Abolition wasn't as popular a term <laughs> uh, 10 years ago. Uh, but at, at the heart of it, we're trying to abolish anti-black systems and take care of each other. And so we're talking about 
how that looks in the political sphere as far as the mayor Rahm Emanuel suppressing a tape of a teenage uh, black boy get, getting killed, Laquan McDonald. Um, like that's anti-blackness. Like that that's happening in real time. Is and he that, black? Th- by the way, Rahm is not black. What is he? Uh, he's. I, I I don't want to say he's Israeli. I know I know he's Jewish. I think he has some uh, kind of like lineage, but he's I mean he's white from all parts. Like that always white. That always bugged me. I'm sorry. Go on. And also, like, anti-blackness is deeper than the skin, right? Because we have Lori Light for now, who is has anti-black policies and is a black hair woman, but that's a different 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 podcast. So <laughs> my point is all that is that yeah, uh, the broader movement for Black Lives is talking about these systems uh, of oppression, not just anti-blackness, but it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Um, and then we look at like how do gangs in Chicago why they look the way they would do. Well, in the 90s, we take all the housing projects, as we do mm-hmm. in lots of big cities. Um, we say, hey, you're, you know, here's a, a rental voucher for a place to live. Didn't honor that. Uh, mm-hmm. You lock up Larry Hoover, some of these big leads of these uh, these street organizations, which have a history of helping black folks. And then the Daily Machine terrorizes them. So they kind of break apart and start mm-hmm. doing other things that, that, that become criminalized. Um, then we see all these kind of fractions of gangs and stuff, and we see infighting and things yeah. in mm-hmm. places that are intentionally made to be uh, not resourced, and folks are fighting over those resources, and then not dealing with past trauma from years ago. And so it's just, it's just, it's, it's for me, it's always interesting looking at like those two formations, grassroots organizations, um, activism, so to speak, and then like drill rap and gangster rap in general, and then how the street how the, the street life is, is, is very real and intercriminal violence is real um, on these similar tracks, um, uh, using the same kind of tools, i.e. social media, i.e. visuals, and i.e. being really unapologetic what they're talking about and asking for. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not, I'm not saying there's not bars and some drill artists and stuff. I listen to Montana 300 all the time. There's bars, but it's like, it's very clear what he's talking about. He's talking about the how like long his clip is. I know mm-hmm. what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when folks in movement spaces are not you know, pulling punches or not like, you know, try and do just be able to get to vote or just be able to do these things that, you know, 40 years ago, we like had to be able to do. They're saying, hey, we voted for Barack. We voted for the quote, quote unquote progressive. We voted for all these people. We did mm-hmm. what you told us to do and we're still getting killed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We did what you told us to do and we don't have any health care. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost like voting for these same people isn't actually getting us to liberation. And so folks being more explicit about what they're asking for, not asking for, but demanding, um, and have these really holistic analyses on all these things. And so uh, I think that's really important that unapologeticness is is important and it is important in both both of those spheres. Um, So I think, you know, truly obviously gets really demonized. And I think there's a a care there from folks of like wanting to lessen the violence, instrumental violence in in, in black neighborhoods and and what have you. And And that's real. Um, and I'm talking about, speaking about someone who has not lived that experience for sure. Mm-hmm. And as I am from Chicago originally, but I know that it's real. Um, but it's like, keep give, keep getting money, money to police and keep doing these same things we keep talking about and do every decade is it's just not working. Like the mm-hmm. definition of insanity is like, don't do the same thing over and over again. Well, we keep doing that over and over again mm-hmm. and it's not working. So it's like, let's just let's just at this point, let's just try something new and just see if it sticks. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that literally- was a lot. Yeah, no, bro. That's literally the sentiment. Yeah, that's the sentiment felt. That's the sentiment felt all throughout the entire world, bro. Like it's Mm, not. This is not unique. But I, I like the expression, the hyperlocality, and the specificness of somehow, how somehow, uh, some hip hop genres, subgenres do that. And would you say that both the activism and I know we got to wrap up soon, Dylan. I'm sorry. Yeah, we have both the. uh, I got to get my charger. You can keep going, but I got to get my charger real quick. My laptop. Go ahead, bro. All right. Yes, sir. Keep going, though. 
Yeah, yeah. So, what is this Chicago mentality? Ooh, that's good. I got to think back to the actual paper at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm about to get your yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, oh I don't know I wrote gosh. the paper, but so we talked about unions earlier. Yeah. And Chicago's a union town. It always has been. I think we look at even white ethnics moving over here and starting unions and, and mm-hmm. working hard. And we have this idea of being like the blue collar city. Um, that, that extends to, to black folks too. Um, so I think there's a mentality of like working hard, uh, kind of being not mean, but being like really authentic and in, in all those yeah. ways. And I think black folks with a quote unquote, great information coming here been facing violence again from the daily machine. I'm going to keep bad mouth in the fucking dailies. Fuck Bill Daly. If he runs for mayor again, don't vote for him. If you're from <laughs> Chicago. Gosh. Um, but uh, folks coming here, I mean, black folks in general have resilience because we, we've had to, right? But especially coming here and thinking that things might be a little better and them not really being the case and having this idea of Christian community as well as um, just having to survive. And then even when you kind of get something you can hold on to, um, i.e. house, i.e. like Brownsville, which is kind of the, 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 the black center that was built up at a certain point in time, holding on to that and like fighting for that in, in a certain way. And so for me, the Chicago mentality is 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 a, a way to have ownership and pride and and authenticity and like in in your community and what you're doing, no matter what that is, for for and for better or for worse, and that goes across <laughs> racial lines and, and class yeah. lines as yeah. well. And I think that's part of the reason that you know, uh, quote unquote, Mayor One Percent, Marley Manuel, a lot of folks didn't, mm-hmm. didn't like him, and I'm not, not talking about just like just black folks and stuff too. Um, a lot of you know, either white leftists or even white like centrists and like him because he's, you know, all his policies would just try to make Chicago this international town and all his policies would would not uh help folks like really actually actually lived here. I said centrist might might have not liked him, they probably did, but mm-hmm. he yeah. didn't run again. And I think that's I think that has a lot to do with um uh broader movements Chicago constantly fighting him and getting either actual wins or small narrative wins here and there. So but obviously now we have someone else that we're trying to fight as well. So <laughs> yeah, you always there's always gonna be somebody to fight. So yeah, that's why I wanted to focus on that man. Um, when it comes to respectability, just to wrap this up, I I like that in hip hop specifically there is that I'm not I'm tired of asking attitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that you focused on that with the with the with the drill movement. I like that. You can go to different parts of the country. They'll probably have a song. Like when I came to Texas for the first time for grad school and swag surfing was played at every black party that I went to. Yeah, I was like, oh, this, is yeah. your, this is your thing. And I could definitely see us in a, in a rally playing swag surfing and really uh, getting the movement going. But um, yeah, I know we rent long on this one, guys. I just I just want to say that 2020, we just had some bad bangers. Like I feel like um, we should keep that momentum going. I'm really inspired what was happening this past few months. And it mm-hmm. keeps going like 50 different Starbucks have been organized and like, yeah, there's small shops of like 15, 20 people, whatever. But like it really does start small and it spreads like wildfire. And um, I just feel like it's not it can't go down. Like we got to keep it pushing. But um, I think that really brings communities together. And I think music is a really good way of uniting each other and spreading messages and talking about your struggles that maybe is like like I said, like we talk about Meek Mill, Meek Mill's music is is so like specific to his situations, but it's so common because it, it's affecting all of us, whether even across socioeconomic and across even um, gender and uh, we call it ethnicity. So, but yeah, man. Um, yeah. I just hope that we grow more as a community and we, we could push in that. But before we go, Colin, you've been doing a lot of stuff, bro. 
Every time I check you on Instagram, you're doing something new. You are making moves. I think you started a media empire. What do you got going on? Like you started a LLC. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, so I run a nonprofit called Soapbox Productions and Organizing. It's a film and activism uh, entity that makes movies, but also podcasts and and editorial board and all kinds of things. And we also organize with different movements uh, and spaces in Chicago. So all moving base, all all dope and radical, and and trying to push against against the grain and make these funds at the same time. Um, which 2020 was an interesting moment when funders were like, hey, we should give to black people. I was like, yeah, you should. Um, so there's that. Bourbon we also have a podcast <laughs> called Bourbon in Brown Town. My colleague, yes. David, uh, he's Chicano. And so we host that and, and talk our shit on that, kind of analyze all the things and have dope guests. Um, then I also teach, teach fitness classes. So I'm on Instagram at Colin Fit, C-A-U-L-L-E-N-F-I-T. And then on Twitter at Call Hudson, C-A-U-L-H-U-D-S-O-N. Oh yeah. So, yeah make Follow sure. me and this grinding. I love it. I talk those things. I try to blend like all the things I'm involved in at the same time, which is kind of weird sometimes, but I think it's good to cross audiences and you put that in your that. Tinder profile? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, yeah. Fuck twelve and do these burpees, pretty much. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole do these burpees. <laughs> well, hey, yo, thing. Te- text me everything later and then I'll put it in the, the description for the pod, man. Yeah. I got, got you. you. Yeah, yeah. And actually I just want to shout out to Colin because he was one of the first people before it was like every dude calling themselves an alpha with the podcast an alpha male uh colin's been doing a podcast since like for a while now so you i remember you you put me on to you sent me your stuff a while back so i just want to say respect yeah, the grind so congrats on that man really proud of you um dylan any last words bro before we head out <laughs> remember to always do what makes you happy is that what you wanted me to say <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> okay yes <laughs> I didn't know if we're yeah. going to the outro yet. Yeah, I, I was I yeah. wasn't sure it was myself. I'll, I'll okay. play it in the edit. Don't worry about it. I got you. <laughs> Denzel, you want to say bye, man? Yeah, man. Everyone stay safe. I hope everyone's happy and healthy. Yeah, and just thanks you guys for listening. Uh fuck twelve as he said. And um, yeah, continue to organize and yeah, fight the power, all that shit. Deuces. Fight the power, love it. Yeah. Yeah, this is the part we usually talk shit at each other at the end and you know yeah. at the end. Yeah. Run it up. Cold clothes. How's that bourbon? Stop talking all that. It's great. Not <laughs> <laughs> the end of my glass. That one comment. That was great. Classic. Oh my God.